Okay, Sarah. So according to science, and this is from Twitter, so you know it's verified. Right. Right. Olympians on average were still doing three sports a year until they were about 14. Wow. So... Yeah, they didn't really specialize. Wow. Three sports seems like a lot. But I so I went back and did a bit of calculations from my own life. Um, and how many and sports I, were you and doing? And I'm not an Olympian, to be clear. But anyway, <laughs> we, we, okay, I played soccer like straight through. And I had, like, I didn't take, sw- I wasn't on the swim team, but I had like swim lessons. Does that count as a sport? I don't know. Were you competitive? I'm, I've always been competitive. <laughs> And then on top of that, I have like one to three year stints at like dance, diving, martial arts, baseball up until about the age of 12. And then it just goes like bananas because we because I started school sports around 11 or 12. And then it's like basketball, volleyball, track, the whole. Oh, my God. Did you have to pick like we had to pick like you couldn't do all of them. You could only do one per season at school. One per season. I did basketball, volleyball and track. What did you do? I did soccer always. Like I was going to be a soccer superstar. And then I started running at some point, tracking cross country. And I went to a small school. So everyone had to play all the sports because we didn't have enough girls. So I also played like basketball. We had a championship winning basketball team. Briefly played softball, even though I'm terrible at softball. Was on the swim team. Oh, I briefly did gymnastics for like a, two years. I was terrible at that. I'm trying to think. I feel like there's another sport I did in there briefly because why not? Oh, martial arts. Yep. Did some Aikido for a little while nice nice i did judo judo (laughs) good good okay so i feel like the take-home point there is that the science says that you don't need to specialize to be an olympian but somehow up to a point you need to specialize eventually let's be real somehow you and i still didn't make it live feisties if we were riding is brought to you by ass kicker inc whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast, get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at cravejerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so one note before we start. You guys... When you hear the finishing credits and the music and stuff, like, don't hang up, basically. We have some bonus material that comes every week after the credits, so keep listening right till the end. Um, But Kelly has some exciting news this week. You're doing your first 50K ultra run this weekend, am I right? Yes, and I was, like, a little, I was, like, kind of nervous about, you know, running that far and then, uh, and then we got a severe winter storm warning, and it's supposed to be snowing and raining and 30 degrees and oh now I'm like less worried about being competitive and more worried about not dying wow I 
have you how often do you guys get that kind of weather down there it's a thing like I th- other people keep like blowing me off on this you're like no no this is a real thing uh this is like a big winter storm the mountains are gonna get like seven feet of snow and for clarity like i'm at sea level the mountains are like three hours up and this is my race is in between so it'll be raining hard here at sea level snowing seven feet up in the mountains and my race will be something like some snow rain sleep mix in between which just sounds terrible terrible so bad but you also i mean the reason i know it sounds terrible is because i have had to train in these conditions i've gotten hypothermia i know how bad it is you know how bad it is too like you guys get the same weather right i mean that's exactly like i've done i can remember doing six hour rides in kind of under 40 between 30 40 degrees like under 40 degrees and raining so it's the rain it's the rain it's the rain Everybody from the East Coast keeps being like, oh, just bundle up. And you're like, no, no. It is the rain that gives you hypothermia. Okay, so would you like to hear my Canadian You're going to give me Canadian tips? Okay. okay. One okay. Is, that, is wardrobe changes. Like, are, do you have rules? No, not an option. You're not allowed to do that? Well, I could. It's just it, it, like there's not a mechanism by which to do so. So you have to carry everything with you. After like an hour in. You can change things at like an hour point and then there's no other option. And then that's it. Okay. Right. So my next point is was that stopping is murder. So you need to like not stop moving. I know. That's when your core temperature. I feel bad for these people that are going to be out there for a long time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And then, okay, my third point, just from my Canadian perspective, is that the dehydration from the clothing. So if you wear a jacket, you need to make sure things are like breathable or else if they're not like because you can actually sweat to wear enough clothes I know, you can I know. sweat inside and then you need to drink more and it's kind of counterintuitive so that is my advice but then that's the sweat is also what freezes it i think i'm just like i think i'm just leaning in it's gonna be cold and wet and miserable and hopefully less than five hours <laughs> like then we're done you can do it kelly i have i have utter faith in you i'm just gonna draw an inspiration from the olympics since you know they're over now and i'm just reliving all the highs and lows right and speaking of which okay so since you're the who actually watched most of the Olympics. I'd love to hear like what your high points and low points are. Well, besides obviously if you've been listening to the podcast, which everyone has clearly been listening to all of our podcast episodes, then you know already that the women's cross country sprint, the US women winning their first medal and it being gold was tears, tears, lots of tears. Tears. Crying everywhere. Um, And I loved the figure skating because I've been like obsessed with figure skating this year. But so this week's high point was the men, the U.S. men taking curling. Like, it's fine. We're just a curling nation now. We were having curling parties around the country watching. It was like 1 a.m. here. So it's 4 a.m. on the East Coast when the gold medal match ended and people were up. People were like up watching curling at 4 a.m. I have to say, like you guys, you actually we were going to talk about this later, but I'm, I'm throwing it in there now. You guys stole hockey and curling from us yeah it's fine as canadians it's like you've basically like sucked away our national morale so i saw some canadian other friend of mine joking on twitter it's fine we're just into ice dancing now so (laughs) yeah exactly exactly the figure skating we were uh we're all good So that was definitely, I thought it was a really cool, like that we, the U.S. kind of did really well in some sports we don't usually do well in. Mm -hmm. And we had some high points there, but it was kind of a downer, like how critical people were. Of the athletes, you mean? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. like I felt like, and it maybe because the U.S. just didn't do as well as had been predicted, and so people got like people turned, people turned on the athletes and got hostile. <laughs> yeah, it's all the athletes' fault. I also yeah. think there's something to like we kind of expect more of Olympians. There's this whole like Olympic code type. Like we're like shocked when they're drinking a beer. There's always like, oh my god, they have a beer, and you're like, of course they like, of course they have a beer. They're like a 28 year old. Like what do you? <laughs> Especially with winter sports, like some of those things, like yeah. snowboarding and skiing and stuff. I mean. Well, I don't think anyone's shocked the snowboarders Beer, are drinking, yeah. let's be and, real. And lots of substances yeah. are part of their culture, you know? Yeah. But so it just felt like there was a lot of tearing down on uh, right. the Twitters, and not just on the internet, like also in legitimate newspapers and magazines and TV commentary. And it's like, man, guys, these these athletes are real people. People too. We're all people. Like you've had haters, right? I've had my share of haters. So yeah, I have actually one really bad story. Like when I... One, I am in Brazil and anyone who knows me will knows that like it took me 10 years to finally win an Ironman race after like multiple podiums and lots of tears. And then in that race, I won in Brazil. And in that race, there was kind of a feud. This is a bit of a long story. So bear with me. There's kind of a feud between two Brazilian women. And one of the women sent out like friends of hers in a car with to try to catch on video like this other Brazilian woman drafting. So didn't that happen at Ironman Brazil last year too? Like, doesn't this always happen at Ironman I, Brazil? Ironman Brazil is bad for it, yeah. And, and But also you have like the cattiness between the athletes because they're much bigger celebrities too, which kind of creates a different culture. So anyway. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's like to be a celebrity. Anyway, so then her, <laughs> so then this woman was out there and she, ha- she got a video of me being caught behind like a pack, like literally a pack of 200 men that were like four abreast across like a single lane and I couldn't get past and I was like on my bike like too close to a dude and I was kind of like waving my hand around going like come on like get out of the way and then this video got posted on slow twitch and people there was like this massive long commentary about whether I was cheating or not right and like lots of people are like yeah she's a cheater blah 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 right and I actually spent probably a solid week of my life feeling like they're going to take away my win from me it was really, really bad, right? Did you respond to the people on Slow Twitch? Yeah, I actually did an interview then with Herbert Crabble, and like they gave me a chance to. I didn't respond on the forum, right? I did an interview on the main page and was given a chance to tell my story. But still, like you just have to know that there's going to be a certain number of people who walk away from that thinking that I'm a cheater. And you are, you yeah. <laughs> are a cheating cheater, Sarah. And it's one of those weird things. Cause like, okay, first of all, let me tell you the end of the story because the woman <laughs> who sent her friend out to, to like catch cheaters on video was subsequently a couple years later. Like she actually won the race the next year. And then a couple years after that was caught for doping and is now serving a doping ban. So we know the quality of character that she is, but also it is <laughs> <laughs> now you're like not to be a hater, not, not to, to name yeah, names stop being haters, on the internet. But... <laughs> Except for this one exception. And then, (laughs) and then, but no, for me, like there's a bit of a silver lining here because I think that until that point, I hadn't come across a lot of hate on the internet. And so it helped me really to like when grow was this? a thicker skin in like 2014. So four years ago. Interesting. Like yeah, I'd seen hate I'm... on the internet, but not aimed at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't feel like in this day and age, you can exist on the internet without somebody venturing an opinion about what you should be doing yeah. with your oh, life. Oh yeah, that kind of stuff. But not like actually like she is a cheater. Her like basically like questioning your morality. I mean, that's 
some serious, I don't know. Anyway, I grew thicker skin and it's all fine. And I'm a much happier internet user these days. But what about you? Like as a journalist, you must have come across this kind of thing a lot. Yeah, people, um, people email me. Like I was, I think I was telling you this before, this guy, like, I mean, I had people email me random things all the time, but one guy emailed me because he felt I had insulted the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> like randomly in like a story about how to tailgate or something. <laughs> and, and then he started, and then because I didn't respond, he started calling me like emailing me uh, names like calling me like being like you suck you clearly don't have the balls you're not a real man oh right you're not and I, it was just weird it was weird <laughs> that i was weird. like you're right correct but i mean i have friends who get they like know their harasser so well they're like oh look he's back like he, they like every time they write oh. a story something the same guy will like email them calling them usually like racial slurs or female slurs which is just bizarre to me like why do you Honestly, those ones don't bother me. Right. The people I don't know that are just like, you're a cunt, which apparently, by the way, we're reclaiming that word. I've heard a lot of people use it lately. Side point. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. That doesn't bother me. What always ends up bothering me are the people I like kind of know who like misunderstand what I'm saying. And then I like go into these like long internet Facebook explanations about like, no, you just need to understand my point. Right. If they just understand, then you'll love me. (laughs) Probably not worth it. Well, okay, so I'm taking my advice moving forward from Adam Rapon, the figure skater, mm. the gay figure skater, yeah. and he said that haters are just fans in denial. Oh, and so I'm using I that for that. now. I love that. I love that. Okay, so overall, though, how did the U.S. do mm. in the games? Right, so obviously part of the reason that, like, Sports Illustrated writers were, like, ripping on us and everything and all the writers was because the U.S. didn't do that good. Like, the U.S. had a pretty bad medal count we had some amazing like individual performances obviously everyone tried their hardest all that but still i feel like canada did better than us canada did way better than you guys (laughs) (laughs) we were like third in the medal standings after norway i think we were fourth and germany and uh we had 29 medals which is the most ever although to be fair there was the most events ever so it's not really a fair yeah. So, yeah so we had like the fewest medals since like back when there were fewer events since before they added snowboarding which we win all those so that's not good how many people does canada have anyway because that's the real question because you guys obviously only got a few more medals than us but you have so many fewer people yeah i want to say 30 million yeah california is like bigger than that yeah, yeah. someone's gonna have to check me on that but it's gonna be something like that So I guess then the question is, and this is what everyone's been arguing over, is like, does it matter? Do these medal counts matter? Does it matter that the U.S. did so bad? Or is that just like us being overly focused on winning and like really the Olympics are about participating and there's all these other things that matter? Like, which thing should we care about? The Olympic code or the medal count? Can we care about both? No. And okay, okay, let me say this. Let me say this. That I feel like one can lead to another. Like, so in Canada's case, coming out of Vancouver 2010 right we had like kind of a culture shift around the winter olympics and a lot of people are a lot of commentators are like contributing our success in this olympics to 2010 and kind of the excuse me like the energy and excitement that came out of that that would have so for example eight years ago a young person would have been just about the right age to set their sights on eight years down the road having created like heroes in vancouver and people that they saw so I think that that culture shift and that love of Winter Olympics actually parlayed into medals for us. I mean, I think that's why it matters. Even though you can say like 
okay, winning is not the only thing as we teach our kids, right? It's not the only thing. The U.S. Olympic Committee should not like ignore sexual assault and gymnastics at the just so they can win medals, right? Like these, this is, these are true things. Yes. But it matters when someone wins and is on TV and is like an inspiration for the next generation because that is both a reflection of like our priorities and our funding, but it also inspires more people than to go. Like the U.S. women won their first medal in cross-country skiing, right? That night, I got an email. This is maybe a coincidence. Seems bizarre if it is from a guy asking me based on some story I had written how he could start cross-country skiing. Wow. Right. He wanted to like know whether he should do classic or skate technique and whatever. (laughs) And you're like, I'm pretty sure he saw it on primetime NBC and was like, I should do that. So like these things, it kind of does matter, you know? That's true. It kind of matters. Yeah, it kind of does matter. You know what else kind of matters? <laughs> What's that? The fact that the women still do shorter distances and fewer events than the men. It's kind of bullshit. It's kind of bullshit. Okay. It's real. It's bizarro. Okay. Especially, it's especially the more traditional sports. So cross country skiing, the distances aren't the same. No, they'll do like 30K instead of 50K. Or like in the sprint, they literally do, the women literally do 500 meters less. Like why? Why? It's weird. In the speed skating, once you get up to the above the, I think it's above the 1500 meters, the women do 3000 and the men do 5000. And from there up, all the distances have a gap. And then in like alpine skiing, it's like they come down from less height, basically <laughs> like the drop. Same with ski jumping. I mean, ski jumping wasn't even a women's sport till 2014. And now they go from like the lower point. They don't get to do the big hill, which is literally officially called the big hill. They only get to do the normal hill. And you're like, what? Which is Why? Like, and that's bizarre because, and, and I think they I already actually, built the hill. Yeah, like it's, like, like, <laughs> it's bizarre because the women, like ski jumping is a, an event where the women could actually, we could see a woman winning, you know, overall or doing the, the best jump out of everybody. Apparently, according to science experts. According to science experts, it could happen one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I don't necessarily think we need to just do whatever the men are doing because the men are doing it. Like when you talk about like this comes up a lot in running because running distances have historically, obviously, that's like the thing women weren't allowed to do for a long time. Cross country running right now. There's still gaps in a lot. of. There's still gaps. But at this point, right, like the men do, for example, the decathlon and the women do the heptathlon. The heptathlon has a history now. There's people who are good at it. There's like you know, a bit like there are skills involved, like it's a different sport. Why we necessarily want them to do the decathlon instead? Why don't the men fucking do what we do and want to be like us and do the heptathlon? Okay, I have a crazy idea. Okay, <laughs> brace yourself. Okay. <laughs> Why don't the both the men and the women do the heptathlon and the decathlon? Hmm, I'm thinking about this. Okay, I can tell you in the Olympics, they have like a numbers issue where they can't actually add more athletes. But outside the Olympics, okay, because that's a different question that we need to answer separately. Why couldn't you have both of the events for this? It's the same way in the cross country. Like the women in university level cross country, the women run 6K and the men run 10K, right? So why can't, like you're literally there and you're running a 6K event, like the race organizer, you're doing a 6K event and a 10K event, right? But the athletes wouldn't do both no. on the same why day. why couldn't you pick? Like why not have two events? Because then what would the athletes do? Like as a woman, would I do the 6K or the 10K? You could pick, Kelly. But wouldn't there be one that would be, I feel like that'd be weird. Like wouldn't there be one that's like more competitive? You know how there's, you know how there's always the like sprint distance and the Olympic distance. And we all know which one's the real race. 
Right, that's true. Maybe there would be, but at least then you're not barring access. Like, it doesn't matter if one's more popular than another. That doesn't matter. At least you're not creating a barrier and saying women can do this, but not this. And at least your decisions aren't based on this, like, antiquated notion that women somehow can't make it the distance without, like, I don't know what, sweating too much or keeling over and dying. I think one other reason that they have said that's why they do those different distances is because they want, for example, like a 30 minute race and a 30 minute race is a different distance for women than for men. That is another argument. I'm just throwing these out there, Sarah. Meh. Well, there you go. You're not going to convince me that, especially okay, go to the, if you go to the speed skating, right? Like where they have, like, why would the women have 3000 and the men have 5000 when there's like lots of longer distances that they do at speed skating. So it's not like... You can't wait for women. I didn't say all of their arguments make sense. (laughs) I'm just saying there are some out there. Whatever. We need a four women bobsled. That is that. that. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ask Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING. That's R-I-D-I-N-G at Ask Kicker Inc. Ink with a K dot com and crave jerky crave with a K dot com. If you don't already follow us on all the social medias at if we were writing on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Writing is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton, and our social media coordinator is Helen Positor. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time, you better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real, I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so apparently, and I don't know if Rosie has this problem, kids are having a hard time holding pens and pencils these days. Well, Rosie does have this problem, but I think she might just be special. <laughs> um, do do kids need to hold pen and pencil? I mean, no, they're literally having trouble because their muscles aren't developing right because there's too many touch screens and smartphones, and so they aren't developing the dexterity, and they get to school, and they can't hold a pen but they can push buttons for gaming really, really well. Right, and so really, which skill is going to serve them better in the future? Exactly. Mm-hmm.